0: Thanks for listening to Faith Assembly podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at the Somerville campus at 9 or 11 a.m. And at the North Charleston campus at 1045 a.m. Thank you. We hope God richly blesses you through listening. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, All who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and all my men servant and all my maid servant i will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and notable day of the lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved amen Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for each person that you have brought here today. We pray, God, that once again you would move mightily in this service just as you did on that day of Pentecost. I thank you there is a fresh anointing and a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is available to every single child of God. And I pray you will minister your grace and your power the house today and we'll thank you god for what you're going to do we'll give you praise and glory in jesus mighty name amen amen god bless you you may be seated sometimes uh the most foolish sounding ideas can produce the most extraordinary results uh i've got a few examples of that for you in 1976 a Western Union internal memo went out and it said this this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication the device is inherently of no value to us and then uh, HM Warner of Warner Brothers in 1927 made this statement talking movies who wants to hear actors talk uh... and then uh, This statement was made by a division of IBM in 1968. But what is it possibly good for? He was talking about the invention of the microchip. Ken Olson, president chairman and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977 said, There is no reason anyone would ever want a computer in their home. It's amazing that sometimes some small ideas, something that may seem irrelevant, something that may not make sense to us, how sometimes they can bring extraordinary results. Uh, Sometimes some of the greatest movements start with the very smallest of beginnings. Now I can imagine the conversation around AD 30 to AD 33, somewhere along in there, and this statement might have been made. uh, Their leaders has just been crucified. His followers have all scattered. They are a bunch of spineless cowards anyway. The Jesus movement is over. It will never get off the ground. How wrong they were. In fact, the movement began with just one man, Jesus of Nazareth. That movement sparked an entire revolution that has changed the world. It is still going on today. It has reached literally every corner of the globe and it has transformed the lives of over a billion people. Now that is incredible. And it started with one man and one small spark uh, followed by eleven disciples. Uh, and those eleven disciples the word of God says would turn the world upside down. We come to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the really could be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And you begin to see that the Holy Spirit's movement in the early church And you get a history of how the church actually was birthed uh, and how it began uh, and how those 11 disciples uh, would change their world. Uh, And we've been following the life of Peter. We've called him Rocky. And uh, as we look at Rocky, we, we, we saw many times how that, that Rocky, Peter, that fighter went down again and again, uh, and yet now, after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, after the day of Pentecost, he comes back stronger than ever. Incredible story. Now this morning, we're going to look at Rocky's very first message that he ever preached. Now, uh, if you've ever spoken public, you know how terrifying that can be. In fact, the number one fear is speaking in public. It's amazing that that fear is greater than the fear of death. So, uh, that gives you a little idea. And so he's going to give his very first message. He's going to speak in public, and, uh, and yet you see a man who doesn't stutter or stammer or, or back down or mess up. He gives a very powerful, bold message on that day of Pentecost. Now, I, I had the, uh, i don't know if you've ever spoke before or how many times you've ministered in public or preached in front of people it can be very uh it can be very it can be shaky it can be scary sometimes standing up here in front of you guys and preaching the word of god and the very first time i preached i was 21 years old it was at central bible college and uh uh, my knees were knocking together i was scared to death uh I was just invited, it just so happens that the college invited me to come back a couple of weeks ago, and I went back and preached their baccalaureate service. It is the first time i 'd ever preached back at my own the school I graduated from since that senior chapel uh, many years ago uh went back there and and you know you got to wear your cap and gown and all the regalia and you got the hat on and uh, i had to wear this collar and i had to walk down the aisle and there's the um, uh, there's the president of the bible school and then there's me and all these faculty following behind the lines and 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 and, and, you know i'm kind of think feeling pretty good you know you put the cap and gown on and you just put that thing on you already feel smarter and uh you think man i am so smart and here i am and i and there was about probably 140 graduates uh, from the college that were sitting out there and all their parents and the place was full and i got to the front and i was sitting on the front row and 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 i lately i have been using my ipad a little bit to read my scriptures from and so i had my ipad there with all my scriptures and i had my yellow pages which i can't do without and uh they were right there and i was all ready Man, i was ready to fire up and so i'm kind of flipping things around and locking it in so it won't go off on me and uh, and he's introducing me, and I step up, and he came up with this real grand, I don't know where he got the introduction at, but anyway, he introduced me, and I step up, and I'm feeling great. And I, and I, I made some introductory remarks about how good it was to see everybody and be back at my school. And I said, now let's read from our scripture. And I looked down at the iPad, my email had come up. <laughs> and the Bible was gone. The scriptures were gone. They weren't there. And I got... And I start sweating and my glasses start falling off the end of my nose and I have no Bible to read from and and, and I keep flipping the buttons at the bottom and it kept locking up and I couldn't get that email off the front and I keep pounding the Bible app and it's not coming up and I really look stupid. And here they are. They're all looking at me. They're all waiting. and I'm fumbling around. And finally... I, 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 uh, Some guy behind me says, Here, I have a Bible. Would you like to use my Bible? And so... Uh, Today, I have a Bible in front of me. The iPad is not up here. You may never see it again. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I told the crowd, I said, listen, I'll give you a great deal on this iPad. Just see me right after service and you can have it. And so, uh, and I, I just kind of picture that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder really think God sometimes has a sense of humor. And, and He's probably just up there laughing at me you know because as soon as you get the big head god has a way of keeping you humble he will just humble you right there on the spot and i look like a country bumpkin from somerville and trying to make this great big and rocky's going to preach peter's going to preach it's the first sermon and uh on the day of pentecost he brings this incredible message And it's under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at this message for a moment. And we're going to see what made the change in this man who was uh, denying the Lord. and says, I don't even know the Lord. I don't know who the guy is. Three times in a row to just about 50 days later, now he's saying, this same Jesus whom you crucified, he is the Lord of glory. Listen, what brought the change about? I'll give you three things, and you may want to jot these down. Number one, I believe it was the powerful spirit. The powerful spirit. Now, let, let me give you a little background here to take before we get to chapter two in the text I read to you. Uh, Jesus had told the disciples, listen, I, I, I'm going away and uh, he's gonna, he ascends to the right hand of the Father and he tells the disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to go and wait there and tarry there until you receive power from on high. So they were under instructions and they go and they meet in this upper room, probably the same upper room where they had shared the Passover with the Lord Jesus Christ right before he crucified. And they have been meeting up there and they have been praying and they have been seeking God and they have been waiting for this power from on high. And in, in, in Acts chapter 1, look at verse number 8. He says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So they're excited. They're waiting. They don't know what's going to happen And they're just praying and seeking god What does that day look like? Turn if you look back at Acts 2 and let's look at verse number 1. Let's recount these events together. In Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. uh, And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each one of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance and now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when the sound occurred the multitude came together and and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language by this time they're down in the temple area to celebrate the feast of pentecost uh, and then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another look are not all these who speak galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born parthenians and medes and elamites those dwelling in mesopotamia and judea and cappadocia and pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Uh, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. And then Peter steps up. And begins his message and says These are not drunk as you suppose The Holy Spirit The outpouring of the Holy Spirit Now the the, the text starts in verse number 1 And when the day of Pentecost was fully come what, what is that day? What made that day so special for the Jewish people, for the Jewish nation? Well, that when, when they celebrated Pentecost every year, it was one of their major, one of the seven feasts that the Jews celebrated throughout the year. When they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, they were actually celebrating the wheat harvest. It was a feast of harvest. It was thanking God for the harvest. Remember, Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. That's the first fruits of the harvest to come. It was their celebration of a harvest that God would send. When they get to the day of Pentecost, some 50 days later, it becomes the celebration of the wheat harvest. And what they would do is they take the two loaves of bread and they would go into the temple and they would offer it up before God. And thank God for all the harvest that He had sent their way. It was their Thanksgiving celebration, their Thanksgiving time, much as we would celebrate Thanksgiving today. The word Pentecost also means 50. And so it occurs 50 days after the Passover. Now the Passover was the time of Christ's crucifixion. He rose three days later. The Bible tells us that He was on the earth for 40 days revealing himself to the disciples teaching about the kingdom of god before he ascends to the right hand of the heavenly father and so from from passover to the ascension is about 43 days 50 days after passover would be the feast of pentecost so they are in jerusalem for about a span of about one week praying and seeking god and waiting for that promise of the outpouring of the spirit of god Now later in Judaism, Pentecost also took on the idea that not only was it a feast of the great harvest that God was sending, but it was also a celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Because remember when God delivered the nation of Israel out of bondage, uh, they traveled, uh, they came to Sinai, and some 50 days later after they came out of the land of Egypt, Moses was called up to the mountain. And he went on top of that mountain. Uh, and there he received the law that God gave. Uh, and remember what happened on top of the mountain? Uh, the Bible said there was smoke and fire on top of that mountain. Uh, God came down. Uh, God met Moses there. And he gave him his first covenants. And he comes down and he would share that with the children of Israel. And that, that law would guide the nation of Israel throughout their history. Now, now, when, when we think about Sinai and we think about God taking Moses and the children of Israel and delivering them out of bondage and bringing them to Mount Sinai, we are really looking at the birth of a nation. In fact, Hosea 11.1 says, Out of Egypt I have brought my son." So so Hosea describes Egypt as being the womb in which the nation of Israel would be formed and grow and then their delivery would come when God would bring them by His mighty hand out of bondage. And so in effect, the nation was being born. I want to tell you, God gave birth to His church, to every one of us, when He hung on the cross and they put a spear in His side and what comes out of His side? Blood and water. And that was the signifying of the birthing of his church. Uh, But for the next 50 days, uh, that church was being born. uh, That church was being conceived uh, until it culminates on the day of Pentecost uh, when God pours out his Holy Spirit uh, on his brand new people. And all this time, uh, he is describing the birth of his people. Pentecost. it's, It's not... Accidental? it's not coincidence that God chose this day to pour out His Holy Spirit because He would use His church to bring in the harvest. It was also the birth of the people of God. As you look at the events that took place on that day, it was quite a day. In verse 2, it says there was a sound as of a rushing, mighty wind. The word wind in the Greek language is the same word for the word Spirit. The rushing mighty wind uh, signifies uh, that the Holy Spirit is in the house. God is in the house. Uh, He is blowing uh, through that place. uh, And so there comes a sound uh, in that room uh, like a rushing mighty wind, uh, like a powerful gale force wind. Uh, God is in the house. And then you also see the phenomena of the tongues of fire that set upon each one of them as they are gathered together. The Bible records there were about 120 who had been gathering, seeking God, praying for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it said there were tongues of fire that came and set upon each one of them. Remember what happened on top of Mount Sinai when God came down on that mountain and and fire lit the top of the mountain up. Uh, He is signifying once again, God is in the house. Uh, And many times you saw fire come down from heavens uh, signifying the presence of God. And then the the third phenomena is found in verse number four. It says they spoke in other tongues. Simply put, they spoke in various languages, different languages, other languages. uh, Languages they themselves, uh, those 120, had never learned, had never studied, had never learned heard before this was a supernatural sign miracle that god was given on that day of pentecost Uh, and the bible is very clear there were those who were gathered around from all around the roman empire they had come in uh, they spoke various different languages uh, and the bible says they heard them speaking in their own languages and glorifying god so it becomes a sign to those who are gathered on that day of pentecost and what is happening is that language barrier that separates people uh, when god begins to pour out his holy spirit uh, he's saying now the power and presence and spirit of god is breaking down all the barriers that divide people and upon all flesh i am going to pour out my holy spirit and the express purpose as i said earlier was for that power to be witnesses acts chapter one verse number eight Now, now what happens here? We, We know the events that took place. But after the crucifixion, you get a picture of the disciples hiding behind a locked room. They're scared to death. They think at any time the Romans could come in and knock the doors down. And they themselves might also be crucified for being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But now, on the day of Pentecost, uh, they are no longer afraid. Uh, The Holy Spirit has come in and He has transformed them from fear into confidence and boldness and power. Peter, there were times throughout Rocky's life that he had expressed and experienced some level of courage. But during the most crucial time, during the time when when Jesus needed him the most, he denies the Lord. He says, I don't even know the man. And he cowers down and he hides in fear and he disavows any knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now strengthened by the Holy Spirit, he stands up and delivers a very powerful message on that day of Pentecost to the very same people who crucified Jesus Christ. What made the difference? The Holy Spirit. Pentecost. That very special day when God sent His Holy Spirit on all flesh. Peter stands up and he begins to preach. And and he he quotes from the prophet Joel. and, and, and And he quotes from Joel saying, This Holy Spirit is for everybody who believes. It's for your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren, and all those that be afar off. It trickles all the way down to 2011. It's for all those who believe it is for today. The Holy Spirit does not invade if not invited. You have to ask. You have to desire it. He's not going to come in and give you a gift you don't want. He's not going to come in and give you that power unless you ask for it. Listen to Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, talking about human fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I love those three words. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words the implication is if you want this power in your own lives uh, if you want to be a powerful bold witness in the kingdom of God you have got to ask for that power An American and an Englishman had were standing by the Niagara Falls and they were watching those massive falls come down over top and 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 the The American says, here, come follow me and I'm going to show you the greatest unused power in the world. And he takes them down to the foot of the falls where they can see those massive waters come rolling over the top. And he said, there is the greatest unused power in the world. And the Englishman looked back at him and says, ah, no, my brother, not so. The greatest unused power in the world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. Listen, do we avail ourselves... To this incredible power that God has for every single person who believes. Do we open up our lives for all of God's power and all of God's presence? The Holy Spirit did not come at Pentecost. Christianity would have never spread as it did around the world. Probably would have remained as a small sect of Judaism. But something happened. The day of Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit was sent. He filled his people with great, incredible power. Erasmus is a Renaissance scholar and tells a story about, about Jesus Christ and what it must have been like when he went home after he ascended up into the heavens. And he tells the story about how the angels gathered all around and and Jesus began to tell them about his miracles and his teachings and and then he went in and described his death on the cross and his resurrection and the angels listened very intently and Michael asked, but what happens now? And Jesus makes this statement, I have left behind 11 faithful disciples and a handful of men and women who have faithfully followed me. They will declare my message and express my love these faithful people will build my church. And Michael said, but what if the people fail? What then is your plan? And Jesus said, I have no other plan. Listen, we are God's only plan. There is no plan B. There is no other alternative. If this message is going to go around the world, if all your friends are going to be saved, if your neighbors are going to be saved, if the people you work with are going to be saved, if your family is going to be saved, it's going to be through you. There's no other plan. There's no second chance. There's no angelic visions. He's gonna come down and fill in the gap with angels all around the world. Listen, we're it. God says, through you, through my disciples, go and make disciples of every nation. Go and preach the gospel throughout the entire world. We're it. And we're charged with the duty to bring the wonderful message of salvation that God loves them. There's a way out. They don't have to go to hell. God's created heaven for those who love Him and those who accept Him and He's given His wonderful gift of eternal life. But I will tell you, there's no other plan. Jesus is counting on you. He's counting on me. Now the good news is we're not alone. The good news is the Holy Spirit is here. And He's here to begin to mold our lives. And He's here to fill us. And He's here to give us His power. And He's here to use us I can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus did not tell his disciples they would not have problems because I will tell you those early disciples would face some persecution. And martyrdom and death. Uh, but he did promise to send another comforter. And he says, "I, if it's needful I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send back to you another comforter. Who shall be with you and who shall be in you. Uh, and that comforter came and he gave him comfort. And he gave him courage. Uh, but the good news, the same promise is for every single one of us today. It's to your children and all those who be afar off. Listen, we need that power of the Holy Spirit today. And when Peter stepped up and preached, there was a new anointing. There was a new power that now was available. Second thing we see about this message is we see a very pointed message. Jump down to verses 36 to 39. It might not be what you would describe as a seeker sensitive message or a feel good message. But listen to Peter's sermon. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift. Of the Holy Spirit, for the promises to you, and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as call upon our Lord God, as as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, now, this is the very crowd who, when Pilate stands there and says, "I have Jesus here," I have Barabbas here. Whom will you that I deliver unto you?" And they cried out, "Barabbas!" Give us Barabbas. And he says, well, what should I do with this man? And they holler out again, crucify him. Crucify him. And now Peter stands before this very same crowd. Uh, and he said, this same Jesus whom you crucified, he's the Lord of glory. He's the one. He is the Messiah. And under the direction and power of the Holy Spirit, uh, he preaches the Lord Jesus Christ Boldly and with power he pulls no punches as he presents the truth in love. That Jesus, he says, was both Lord and Christ. He was Lord and Christ. And Peter lays the death of Jesus Christ right on their very own consciences. But I want you to notice also when he preaches to them, they're also, not only is he delivering truth, and conviction of the holy spirit but he also brings love because love always shows a way out jump down to verse 24 whom god raised up here's the love part here's the good part Uh, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. And he is at my right hand that I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover my flesh will also rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in haze. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made me know the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Listen, that's the hope. Because Christ died and rose again, he says, David writes, you'll not allow my soul to remain in Hades. Uh, I will not see corruption. God, you will raise me up. Uh, and that's the hope every single one of us have. Uh, and if we repent, we've got that hope of everlasting life. Verse 24, he says, he loosed the pains of death. That's a very picturesque word there. When he talks about the pains of death, it's the same word that's used for pains. Of a baby being born in childbirth. And so it was out of the tomb that it was almost as if giving birth and Christ walks out again. And because Christ walked out again, for us, death is not the end, it's just a passage into everlasting life. Loose the pains of death. Now, it was clear from Peter's message that those he preached to were definitely on the wrong side because they were guilty. Of opposing and rejecting God's Messiah. God's only son. The Lord Jesus Christ. I have a quotation and I want you to hear it because I think it says it so well. Describing Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and what we've got to do with him. Not one recognized religious leader as Moses, Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed ever claimed to be God. Jesus is the only person who has ever convinced a great portion of the world that he is God. This claim can either be true or false. If false, Jesus either knew his claims were false and he lied, or he was deluded and a lunatic. If Jesus knowingly lied, he was the world's greatest hypocrite and a charlatan of the worst kind. He would also be the greatest fool for what person would die for a lie. If Jesus was deluded, how could his precepts help so many people for such a long time? His critics and his enemies had nothing but the highest accolades on his character. There is no other choice. Either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord of Lords. And that's what Peter says. This same Jesus whom you crucified, he's the Lord. He's the Son of God. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one we waited for. He is God. Peter's message pointed right to the Lord of Lords. It says in John twelve thirty two, Jesus in his own words, he says, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. And so when we preach, when I proclaim the word of God, it is always with a desire that we are going to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's already been lifted up on Calvary, and he was speaking of his death. But I believe every time we glorify him, uh, every time we exalt him, uh, we give people a chance to respond uh, and be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, He said, exalt me, and I'll do the rest. And that's exactly what Peter did on that day of Pentecost. Because we've got to draw people to Jesus Christ, because he is the only one who can forgive sin. Open up the door to everlasting life. What happened in Peter's message? There was a powerful spirit. There was a pointed message. But look at the end result. You see the penitent response. Look down at verse number 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word and were baptized, uh, that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow, what a day. One sermon, one message, anointed by the Holy Spirit, 3,000 are saved that day and baptized in water. Incredible. What what, what a start. What an explosion for this early church. And and you see uh, the the repentance on their part. They're almost begging. What do we got to do? How can I know God? How can I come to Christ? And they repented. And I will tell you once again, to repent is more than just feeling sorry for your sins. Uh, it also means to change your heart and change your mind uh, and change your life. Turn to James chapter 4. Look at verse number 8. I think you get a sense of what real repentance is when you read these three verses. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, You double-minded, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning uh, and your joy to gloom. uh, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. And the people are convicted of sin and they say, what must we do? And they humble themselves before Peter and before God and 3,000 are saved. The disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost. But I will tell you, this day for those disciples in the early church is just the beginning. Because from this point on, now they are empowered to do miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. From this day on, they are empowered now to love their enemies. You say, I can't love my enemy. I I can't forgive. Uh, But I want to tell you, under the power of the Holy Spirit, they begin to love their enemies. Uh, They are empowered to boldly and go and preach the word of God. They are empowered to face life's greatest crisis. They are empowered to face suffering. Uh, They are empowered to face persecution uh, and even death. Uh, Listen, here's the good news. We've got the same power of the Holy Spirit today. Today. This is not something that ended 2,000 years ago. God is still pouring out His Holy Spirit uh, on all flesh, uh, on whosoever will, on all those who ask the Father for good gifts listen we have the power of the holy spirit but you've got to ask you've got to ask him for it you've got to desire it you've you've got to want that these people these disciples their encounter with god their encounter with the holy spirit changed them into powerful bold witnesses It's been over 2,000 years ago since Pentecost, uh, but I want to tell you, Jesus is still baptizing believers with His Holy Spirit. He is moving mightily. In in the the 20th century, God began to pour out His Spirit uh, in in a new and fresh way at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, and it is the greatest Pentecostal move of God that is going on all around the world. It is the power of Pentecost uh, that is fueling uh, world evangelism. The gospel is going to every corner of the world, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ said this gift would be for. Turn, if you would, to John chapter seven. Look at verse thirty-seven. And on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirst, are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty?" let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water now when you are saved the holy spirit's there but he said when you're thirsty when you're hungry when you ask out of your innermost being will flow those rivers of living water and then he then this, so there's no mistake what he's talking about he He says in the very next verse. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. The Spirit. He described it like a river. Like a flood that's going to rise up within you. Whom those believing in him would receive. Future tense. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. And that river began to run. On the day of Pentecost, and I want to tell you that river still flowing today, and it's getting wider and wider, and more and more powerful. You think the floods in Mississippi or something? Boy, when you get in the flow of the Holy Spirit of God, it will overflow its banks. Uh, it will begin to bring life wherever that river flows, uh, because we are empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit of God. Now we are going to pray this morning that those rivers of living water will flow out of the hearts of believers this morning in the service today. I'm going to ask you in a few moments to come, and we're going to pray for believers who want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just as they were on the day of Pentecost. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to be down here praying, and somebody is going to be praying with you and for you, and they're going to be and and, and, you're, and words are going to come into your mind words that you have never learned or studied or prepared for that's the gift of tongues and so by faith as those words come into your understanding you begin to open your mouth and speak those words out and begin to pray those words and it might just be a few words at, uh, at the start it may just be a, a few simple phrases at the beginning but then it begins to flow and and just open yourself up to the presence of the holy spirit working in and through your life this is the sign gift he gave to the early church. It is still a sign gift that is valid today. And ultimately, the ultimate result is power to be a witness. Boldly used by him. Jesus, a couple things. First of all, Jesus Christ must be Lord of your life. He's got to be the Lord. It starts with repentance. It starts with confession. It's, it's confessing that Christ is Lord. You have got to be thirsty and hungry out of those who thirst. Everyone who thirsts out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water i would begin by praising the lord and just glorifying god because every time wherever we're at we begin to praise the lord whether we praise him with our known language or in the unknown language your praise invites the presence of god god inhabits the praises of his people so it's good when you begin when you come up here when you first come up to this altar you get up here you get those hands up in the air and you begin to just praise and glorify the lord with all that is within you and then at some point you take. Take that step of faith because the holy spirit's here he's there but you've got to open up to his presence in your life and you speak that language that he gives you you can't pray in english and unknown tongues or unknown languages at the same time and i would also say today there are probably some of you here that need a refilling of the holy spirit they're filled in acts chapter 2 we'll get to it in a couple weeks they're filled again in acts chapter 4 this same group Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so this ought to be a part of your regular prayer life. And and if it's been years since you were filled in the Holy Spirit uh, and have not flowed in those gifts, uh, listen, let them just come down and refill you again afresh and anew in this service today. But I believe God's in the house. I believe the Lord is in the house. And God is going to baptize those who are hungry and thirsty here today amen thanks for listening for more check out faithishere.org